We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome, Irish fans, to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. I am Vince Tedario. I am the football analyst here at irishbreakdown.com. And we are happy to have and the insider, South Bend Tribune uh, beat writer for the men's basketball team, Tom Noy, with us for another edition of Irish Crossover. And uh, I would say that there's a lot to talk about, uh, Tom, with this uh, particular basketball team over uh, playing under the Golden Dome. This has been Last time we talked was beginning of February, and it was kind of a, a crossroads, I guess. There was, mm-hmm. there was, there was the the dumb and dumber. There's still a chance uh, situation at that point, but I think we have officially gone past that mark. Um, we're done. <laughs> I don't think we are. We're not talking NCAA tournament anymore. Um, but give me just kind of a, a state of the program, where you think things are, and then we'll dive into some specifics. My biggest concern or disappointment with this basketball team is the fact that for whatever reason, whether it's inside, whether it's something with the coaching staff, whether it's something bigger picture with the program, my biggest disappointment with this program is they just don't know how to handle success, Vince. Like, look back, go back a couple Saturdays ago, and Notre Dame plays probably its best first half of the season other than the, the the first half that they had at Rupp Arena, and just smoking Syracuse. Notre Dame's up 55-35 in the Carrier Dome. They're about 18 minutes away from not only getting back to 500 in the league for the yeah. first time over in, in, a, in almost a year, but 500 overall. And really, they, they'd won six of eight. 
really generating some momentum and, and some positive vibes around the program. Like, okay, this is what this program can be. Yeah. That, that 20 minutes in Syracuse, they maybe they weren't going to be an NCAA tournament team this year, but but we finally kind of saw all the pieces coming together with this junior class. And then what happens? You know, they're up 55-35. They blow the lead. They 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 trail the final 8-12 of that game. They never lead at Louisville. I can't believe I'm going to say this, but they never lead at Boston College and give up 94 points. And a team that's this close from going 10 and 10 and 7 and 7 in the league, all of a sudden we're sitting here on March 3rd and they're 9 and 13 and 6 and 10. And basically they're playing out the string. Yeah. And it's, I, I think you make a good point with the Syracuse game because I watched that first half and it was like, okay. The, the light has turned on. They figured yeah. it out. They're playing good defense. You know, they're they're shooting the ball well. I mean, it might have been, yeah, like you said, the best half of offense or best half of basketball that this team has played all season. And then it was like they packed it up and sent, you know, they, they picked five guys out of the stands that, you know, the mythical stands, of course, and, <laughs> uh, you know, said, hey, go, go finish off the second half for us. I mean, it was two completely different teams that we saw in one game. I, I don't. It, it's hard to fathom at times. The one issue that this team has always had this season, whether it's at Michigan State, whether it's second half at Kentucky in Rupp Arena, second half at, uh, at the Carrier Dome against Syracuse, the entire game against Louisville, or the second half at, at McCamish Pavilion against Georgia Tech, when you run athletic, big, long, aggressive guys down right, put, pushing them right down their throat at Notre Dame, they don't know. They don't know how to counter. Like, hey, I think the light bulb as we as much as we talked about the light bulb going on for Notre Dame, the light bulb goes on for a Georgia Tech, for a Syracuse when they're in those huge holes. Like Notre Dame's up seventeen at Georgia Tech. They're up twenty at Syracuse, and the other team thinks, you know what? We're not going to beat this Notre Dame team in a jump shooting contest. We're sure. just not. They're they're too good of shooters, but. How about if we just start playing downhill and and just just run the ball right down their throats and see what they do? And usually they're backpedaling and they're done. And and for whatever reason, it's happened in all those games. It happened against Louisville just last week at Yum Center. And then it happened really against Boston College to where if you challenge these guys and you come right at them, they're probably not going to have a counter to, 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 to try to figure it out and say, okay, you guys are going to do this, but we're going to turn it around and we're going to do this and we're still going to be a good team. Hey, everyone. Before we get started, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks and on top of that we'll help you get your show pushed out to apple spotify google stitcher and all other listening platforms the best part is you can get all of this for only 15 dollars a month the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup so whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports podcasting experience. Acceptance in this program is limited, so get your application in today. Go to bwhustle.com slash join. 
Check out the description box for this episode to find out more. But that's bwhustle.com slash join. I, I guess one of the things that surprised me the most about that second half against Syracuse was how poorly Notre Dame dealt with the full court pressure. Yeah. I mean, it, usually, you know, you coach a junior high team, you're like, okay, <laughs> let, let's put some full court pressure on them. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll get them, you know, to turn the ball over, et cetera, et cetera. You don't really see that at the college level. No. And I can't really remember the last time I saw that with a Notre Dame team. Um, they usually, in the past, handled pressure pretty well. Mm-hmm. They completely crumbled under under the full court pressure. I, it was It was astonishing to me how – ineffective they were against full court pressure mike bray has his faults and he'll be the first one to say a lot of times after games you know what i didn't help these guys i I didn't help them as much as i might have been able to or i should have maybe i could have done a b and c but like you said we're talking about handling a press like when when you when you first started playing basketball fifth grade sixth grade right you kind of thought hey look what are these guys doing coming down the the floor and 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 coming up against us and, and and pressuring us like how how do you you learn how to handle a press when you're in elementary school? Right, and it could be something where, yeah, Mike Gray can say, "Hey, let's diagram this or let's diagram that." But Prentice Hub and Trey Words and Dane Goodwin have to know, okay, they're going to get up into us, and when they do, this is how we're going to break it. And right. for whatever reason, we saw it against Georgia Tech. We saw it again against Syracuse, where you talked earlier about the light switch finally going on. For whatever reason, when that light switch goes on then suddenly it turns off and they just forget how to play. They're, they're kind of nonchalant about it. Like some of the passes that they threw against that pressure. Yes. You're looking at, you're watching it on TV. You're going, what are you doing? Like right. it, it's not, it's not even grade school level passes to where they don't know how to, uh, they don't know how to solve it. They had the wrong guy about three or four times taking the ball out of bounds. And, and, and again, you can, you can say that comes back to coaching and throw a lot of this on Mike Bray, and so many fans have. But at some point, your guys just have to go play and figure it out. And I think, I think big picture, this is where Mike Bray has fallen into trouble with this program because for so long in the past, whether it was Jaron Grant or Pat Connaughton or name your guy, he put those guys on the floor and he didn't really have to coach them. They figured it out. I think he sees Dane Goodwin can be like Pat Connaughton. Prentice Hub can be like Jaron Grant. And, and we've seen time and again this year that, that for whatever reason, something short circuits and they can't figure it out and they just can't go play. And that's what leads Notre Dame to the record that they're sitting with here on March 3rd. Is, is and, and this is speculation, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, on our part, but do you think – now, these guys have been in the program, obviously, for three years. They've been playing for three years, I right. mean, this particular group. And I think there's some validity to what you say. Would you put any of that on the fact that they missed all summer and fall playing together at all? I mean, does that have anything to do with it, do you think? Or do they have the experience and it really shouldn't have been a problem going into this year? It does, but there are there are so many factors that we can <clears throat> point to this year and say, okay, this is why it hasn't worked out. Obviously, missing all of spring and all of the summer program, like all the summer, those main seven guys would be playing together right. and, and be and be handling pressure right. and figure out how to go through game situations. All right, we're up one with the ball with seven seconds. What do we do? Like th- that stuff that they do in the spring, in the summer, and the early fall, that hasn't happened. That didn't happen. And then you just you just go through the entire schedule and look at the schedule and say, 
it was going to be really hard given the non-conference schedule, given the fact that we're sitting here on March 3rd, and between February 3rd and March 3rd, Notre Dame's played one home game. Are you kidding yeah. me? Yeah. Like, are you freaking kidding me? Yeah, they played one home game to where, yeah, you, you want them to go beat Boston College, but Mike Bray said the other day, he said, before they even got on the charter, I knew we were in trouble. Like, like emotionally, these kids were – those guys were just absolutely running on fumes. So it's a lack of summer. It's a lack of continuity in the schedule. And it's just everything. Like, sure. it's it, – it, it, let's go back to when we were in college. We go to – we're in college and we're juniors in college or we're sophomores or whatever class we are. Would you would you be able to do what this group has been asked to do, and that's basically quarantine since August tenth? Yeah, we're sitting here on March third. So from August tenth to March third, it's don't be a college kid. No parties, no get-togethers, no gatherings, no football games on Saturday, no seeing your friends. You're going from Rolf's Hall to back to your off-campus apartment, and then your off-campus apartment back to Rolf's Hall, and that's it. Yeah. Well, I mean, there, there's there's so many factors that they go into why this season has dissolved into what it was. But at times, like Syracuse, like Georgia Tech, you just think this junior class, just they just have to be better than what they've shown. Sure. Yeah, no, I I agree with that. And I, and, and I, I felt like the last two years that this, this class could have been really special. I mean, being able to play with each other. Now they've had to deal with some injuries and some, some other things. Um, and I want to go back to that Boston College game a little bit. Notre Dame has not had an issue the last few games, uh, you know, scoring the basketball. Mm-hmm. They've been okay in that regard. Is it, is it all, do you put it all on the defensive side? I mean, they scored 90. But they gave up ninety four. <laughs> you know, I mean, you figure you score ninety points, you got a pretty good shot of winning the ball game. But they gave up ninety four. And watching that game, it just felt like, you know, the, the proverbial, you know, you could have bought a ticket because there was a lot of standing around on the defensive side. Um, what can you do to turn turn it? Because de- defense, it's up here. You know, yeah. I mean, it's an effort situation. It is. But you know, Mike Bray says they were. He knew that they were going on fumes. Going into that game, does that have anything to do with their defensive struggles? It might, but you know what? All this talk about defense, and I think maybe we were when I, when I was on before, we talked about the whole that whole stop score thing. Right. That was that was fool's gold for this program. It really was. Like everybody's everybody's talking about. Oh, look, Notre Dame can play defense now. They're locking in. They're doing this. That was never going to last. Like that defensive stance or getting in stance. And, and right. being good defensively, that was only kind of carry this team for so long because at the end of the day, this program is who it is, and it's really built on offense. And, and they 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 had the mindset of Boston College hasn't played in two weeks. They haven't won. A, they've won one game the entire calendar year of 2021. We got this. They don't have a head coach. I mean, they don't have a head coach. Yeah. They have no idea. They've got. They've got. I think they had seven guys available for that team. They had no idea what they were going to see. You know what? We're just going to show up. And, and, and even Mike Bray said, like Mike Bray was asked about the defense after the game on Saturday and he cut off, he cut off Patrick Engel from blue and gold because Patrick's asking about the defense. And Mike, Mike was just like, no, 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 no. Like that was, that was bad. That was previous habits. That was Ole. It was Matador defense. And he said, they know it. Like they, they, they're not good enough yet 
to just say, we're going to go hang 90 and, 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 and that's the way we're going to beat you. Sure. Because they can't, def- they, they still can't defend. They, they still have to understand it's, they can't, they should, they don't have to be Virginia, but you can't give up 94 points to a team that was averaging 72. Like there was, there was no chance. They, they looked at it. They looked at that and said, you know what, let's just trade baskets. And that got them beat by the worst team in the conference. Yeah. And that, and it just, you know, you can almost stomach some of the other losses, um, but it just felt the Boston College loss just felt different, right? I mean, it was again the worst team in the conference, and yeah. put ninety four on you. I mean that that's that's just a good number, man, and that's that's tough to swallow. And it just it just felt different from a fan standpoint, from you know somebody who doesn't follow the team as regularly as you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just felt different. Yeah, I mean, all the other losses. Yeah, it was it was hard to win when you had a seven point lead at Blacksburg against Virginia tech, but Virginia tech's just better. Sure. It's hard to solve the, the Rubik's cube. That's Virginia, but Virginia's just better, you know, winning at North Carolina, they beat them up on the backboard because North Carolina's got better basketball players. The Boston college game had, there was, there was no excuse. Like you couldn't say, yeah, they lost, but it right. was, they just lost to the freaking worst team in the league. Come on. Yeah. So let's talk uh, about this season and where we're going moving forward. You know, NCAA talk obviously out the window. That's fine. The NIT is a shrunken field. I don't think that's going to happen, right? No. Yeah. And let's – there's another tournament out there too, isn't there, that they could potentially be a part of maybe. But is there any point at this point to doing any postseason work? None. Not. not, I mean, let's say – Let's say they, they they win tonight against North Carolina State. They find a way to beat a ranked team for the first time in forever on Saturday with Florida State, and they make a run in the ACC tournament and get to the semifinals sure. uh, on Friday night in Greensboro. Then maybe you you, you might want to say you might want to explore postseason a little bit uh, deeper. But right now it's like get these last two regular season games in, go to Greensboro, see what you can do. Sure. And then let's let's just close it down because it's just it's just really not like what are you really going to get out of a, a, a postseason tournament other than going to the NCA, which you're not going to do. Yeah, no, good point. And I mean, let me ask you about we, we've talked. I think we talked about this last time that uh, Jogo um, and uh, Jawan Durham, they've already been basically told, you know, this is it. This is your last year with the way that they played this year. Is there any benefit to bringing those guys back? Was there is there any way if you're Mike Bray, you're thinking, well, maybe we should reconsider since they got another year of eligibility. I'm bringing those two guys back. No, and I and I th- I think let's clarify something. I don't know if they've been quote told. Okay, I think it's come to it. I think it's an agreement because look, Juwan Durham. Say what you want about Juwan Durham, but he has played his best basketball this yeah, year. Absolutely. That said, he believes he's a he's a professional basketball player. That that may not mean that's probably not going to mean the NBA. But this kid wants to go out and earn some money. Like okay. eventually, eventually, you want to be like, yeah. College, for me, college was a great time at the University of Dayton, but I didn't want to be there for six years. Right. Come on, let's let's get the ball rolling. Let's start the next chapter of my life. And sure. Nick Jogo is the same way. So they have one scholarship available for next season. So I don't know. I don't know if if it would be you, you don't you don't bring either of those two guys back. Say, look, you did what you did. Thank you very much. Just like last year at this time when everything got shut down and everybody, all the Notre Dame fans were thinking, 
hey, John Mooney, hey, Rex Fluger, hey, TJ Gibbs, maybe those guys are coming back. And Mike Bray was like, no, 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 no. It's time for them to go. They sure. know it's time for them to go. And I think Nick and Juwan both feel like I've, I've been in college for five years. It's just time to get on with life. Have you been uh, at all impressed with what Nick Jogo has been able to do this year now that they're kind of leaning on him a little bit more? Yeah, it's funny. I get so many emails about uh, shame on Mike Bray. It took Mike Bray four and a half years to figure out that Nick Jogo can be a contributor. That's again, that's only part of the story. I think it took Nick Jogo four and a half years to figure out how he fit because in Mike, in Mike Bray's system, if you can do one thing really, really well, you're going to be a, you're going to play. Now it took Nick Jogo five years to kind of figure out what that one thing was. And it turns out it was little of everything. Just be kind of like a, a stabilizer guy, move the ball, get a rebound, keep the ball, make a shot every once in a while, defend. Sure. So it's, it's good to see Nick Jogo persevere because I mean, he had so many chances early in his career and it just never happened for him. And Mike Gray kept saying over the summer, he said, Nick Jogo will be a, a, a key part of this basketball team. It's good to finally see that happen for him. And, and even though, even it's though it's been in like short bursts for Nick. So they're, they're going to lose those two guys. That That's a given. Um, how does this team look any different next season than they do this season? What can they do to, you know, to build on? I mean, I, I don't want to say that this is a lost season. There's obviously stuff you can build on. Mm-hmm. How does this team look different next year with maybe the guys that are coming in? Maybe just these guys, you know, take their game to another level. Uh, maybe they're not dealing with injuries, you know. How does this team look different uh, in in 21-22? Sitting here on March 3rd, we have absolutely no idea. None. Because if the one-time waiver, the transfer waiver goes through and college basketball players are allowed to transfer and become immediately eligible, it it becomes Thunderdome in college basketball. Like even Mike Bray talked about last week or a couple weeks ago on on one of his uh, uh, Zoom press conferences – I asked him about all the stuff that's going on recruiting-wise, transfer-wise, COVID-wise. Like, how do you plan for the 2022 class? And there are there's a thought that for college basketball coaches, it might be more important for them to recruit current players that may may or may not transfer in than to recruit high school players. Huh. So what does 2021 22 look like you you're gonna at this point Prentice you have Prentice hub you have Trey Wirtz, you have Dane Goodwin uh Nate Lashevsky Paul Atkinson the transfer from Yale maybe like I, do any do, does it do, do any of the guys on the current team say I'm gonna explore that one-time transfer rule and go play at school a B or C immediately sure. that may happen. Yeah, it also may happen that there may be a transfer that that wanted to go to Notre Dame originally, didn't for whatever reason, and now he's back in the transfer portal and wants to play immediately and wants to play at Notre Dame. Yeah. So what does the roster look like? It like and and how does how does Jr. Knezny and Blake Blake Wesley fit in I, at this point until we get to August and say, all right, this is this team. That's when you know. That's when you can start to figure out these. These are how the the, the pieces are going to fit on the board. Have you have you been updated, or have you ever have you heard anything about Robbie Carmody? How where he's at? I mean, he, 
Talk about a kid who just can't catch a break uh, in his college career. I mean, I could see him potentially transferring too uh, if he gets that opportunity. But have you heard anything about what his status is? He could have, like, if if he really wanted to, and if Notre Dame really wanted to, I think he could have played this okay. month. And that was all. I mean, that was only this month. And and again, it's like, why even bother right. if you only play like five games? You don't know. I think he'll be ready to go full steam in the summertime, maybe late summertime, be ready to start going five on five. But it's, it's again, a tricky situation with Robbie Carmody to figure out, okay, does he fit here? Because we don't know. Like we've yeah. never seen him. D- does Robbie Carmody want to transfer and go somewhere else? Would you like, <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't because yeah. I want to, I want to, I want to, number one, he's got to stay healthy for an entire season. Sure. Which he hasn't been able to do. And until he does that, we don't know. And I don't think anybody knows if he can be a contributor at this level. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. I I think he could add something to this roster if he if he pans out to be what we've seen in glimpses. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he could definitely help out this roster next year. Um, I'm a little concerned about, and I think we talked about this last time, I'm a little concerned about the fans – Thinking that this freshman class, this incoming freshman class, is going to like save the day. Don't, um, <laughs> don't, don't go there. Like we talked about last time, and you and I both know the NIC is a really long way away from the ACC. Yes, like Blake Wesley and J.R. Knezny, they eventually have the potential to be really good players, but both of them are are are, are going to have to just live with Tony Rolinski, the strength and conditioning coordinator for men's basketball and put some sort of weight on because the weight that they carry now and their body makeup, they will not survive an entire season in the ACC because you're playing, you're playing against men in that league. You're playing against pros and in the NIC, you're being guarded, guarded by guys who are five, nine. Yeah. Yeah. No question. How do you see, uh, you know, Tony Sanders and Matt Zona uh, fitting in with this group? Because obviously they got they got some playing time early on in the season, um, and but they've pretty much been on the bench from there on out. Um, how do you see those guys fitting in? It's it's Tony Sanders, Matt Zona. I'll throw Elijah Taylor in there too. Elijah Taylor mm-hmm. was out with an ankle injury all year this year. I think he also could have helped. I think they can help somewhere. Like somewhere along the line, they're going to fit in because Mike Bray's got to think, okay, I lose Juwan Durham. I lose Nick Jogo. You can't go with a seven-man rotation again this year. The, the offseason is going to be key for the development of all those returning guys sure. because it's not going to be a seven-man rotation. It's got to be a little bit of Tony Sanders here, maybe a little bit of Robbie Carmody there, Matt Zona as, as, a, as, a, as a big backup to Paul Atkinson if Paul Atkinson eventually winds up coming, the, the Yale transfer, because Mike Bray was hopeful that, that Paul Atkinson was coming and he had, he had talked with Pat Holmes, the academic advisor, about all his- We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. A graduate school classes, but then... Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna allow graduate transfers back to Ivy Leagues. So Paul Paul Atkinson may have a decision to make and say, "Boy, I got I got Notre Dame here, I got Yale here. What do I want to do?" So what happens if Paul Atkinson decides, you know what, I want to run it back one more time with my guys in New Haven? So it, it's a big it's a big offseason development summer for Elijah Taylor, Matt Zona, and Tony Sanders because they can't be just bench guys and throw them in the, in the starting lineup to shake things up the way Mike Bray did against Miami this year. They had one of those, at least one of those guys have to be guys. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. So the the elephant in the room, uh, at least with a lot of other local media guys who I've listened to uh, over the last few weeks, is the future of Mike Bray, things of that nature. I'm not necessarily asking you to speculate, but 25, we're 25 minutes in. Now we're getting to the good stuff. I know, I know. I, I, I was I was trying to ease the water here a little bit. Um, you're you mentioned earlier that you know sometimes it's not coaching. Sometimes it's just the guys on the floor, and I totally get that. We we, we both coach before some in some form or fashion. Sometimes it's the guys on the floor. Sometimes it's not X's and O's. It's the Jimmys and Joes. Um, but. Uh, your thoughts on Mike Bray? This season has just been strange. There's been a lot of um, there's nothing more I can do. There's nothing more I can say kind of stuff coming from him, which I get. Um, but I think the short bench, the uh, the, the kind of no answers in the press conferences, it's starting to wear on some fans. Um, your thoughts on Mike Bray and kind of where he's at in his future at Notre Dame because he's under contract for a while. He's under contract through 24-25. So okay. that's four more years after this. If – Mike Bray decides that he wants to return for 21-22. I think he and Jack Swarbrick have to have a meeting similar to the meeting that Jack Swarbrick had with Brian Kelly after Brian Kelly went 4-8 and eight and said, yeah. look, what you're doing now with the staff that you're doing it with is not working. Like, you, this is the third straight year. Given like given everything, we I understand the, the, the coronavirus last at the end of last year – the the having to play freshman two years ago when they went three and fifteen, the corona the weird year that it's been this year. But at the end of the day, you've still lost double digit league games three straight years. So yeah. what you've tried to do with this program isn't working. What can you do differently, and who can you do it differently with that could maybe get this team back, not necessarily to an elite eight, but get it back to some stability in the program to where. It's just not all over the place. And and it's 
And that's where it is right now with Mike Bray. Like the more you watch this team, the more you kind of get an idea that Mike Bray here and there, and there are things about this program to where it just seems like he's, he's hanging on and playing out the string. Yeah. Well, and I'm not ready to sit here and say a change needs to be made, but something other than the status quo needs to be done. And will it be done this season in terms of an assistant coach? Will it be done with, you know, Mike Bray? Like who knows? Mike Bray has every intention of finishing out his contract and being here 24 through 24, 25. But what happens at the end of the year? Mike Bray pulls a muffin McGraw and says, you know what? I'm done with this. Yeah. Like, I, just, I just, why, why, why jump through all the hoops and try to get this program back to where it was in 15, 16, when I'm already the winningest coach in program history, whatever I do short of going to a final four, isn't going to be enough to, to, to acquiesce for the fan base. Sure. And he says, I'm going to Florida. Like that's it. I, I'm done. Which really, I mean, that could happen. Anything could happen this off season. We have no idea what's going to happen. So, but if Mike Bray's coming back in 21-22, something's got to change other than just keeping the status quo because as we've seen, the status quo just is not working. Well, 4 years of not going to the NCAA tournament. I mean, there there was a stretch there where you could count on Notre Dame being in the tournament and at least making it interesting, right? I mean, it was and that was that was great, you know, and I don't know that of course, Irish fans always have you know, expectations that are, that are super high. And I totally get that. Um, but you know, consistently making it to the final four, I mean, to the, to the tournament, yeah. making a little bit of a run. And then every few years, maybe you make that, that elite eight run like he was doing. I think that's realistic. Um, but they're a long ways off from that. I mean, missing the tournament four years in a row. And I realized there wasn't a tournament last year, but if there was, they weren't getting in. So Four years in a row—that that's a tough pill to swallow for a lot of Notre Dame fans. It is, but they also have to look at that when if they want to if they want to carry that flag of four years in a row and they want to just pound that narrative of four years in a row. What you also have to do there, Vince, is say, give this program a quote normal basketball season, which they haven't had in the four years that they've missed the tournament. When you go back and say, okay, they missed the tournament in seventeen eighteen but they lost a player of the year candidate and possible first round NBA draft pick to a broken foot. Sure. And then they lost their second best player to a sprained ankle. And then they lost their star freshman to micro fracture knee surgery, probably the one of the worst surgeries and injuries and recoveries that you could, you could have that year and still fell one game short. And then the, 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 the year after that was an absolute disaster having to play freshman in a league where they just got ground up. And then they 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 get last year, and then they get this year. So give me a normal basketball season where you're playing normal amount of non-conference games. You're playing a normal league schedule. You're not playing a grinder league schedule the way it is now. You're playing with all your available guys. Nobody goes down and gets hurt. Like the one guy you can't afford to lose, you lose. Right. Back in 13-14, it was Jaron Grant. In 17-18, it was Bonzi Colson and Matt Farrell. You keep everybody healthy, and let me see what this basketball program can do. And if you play it under those circumstances, and it's everything everything about the, the team, the program, the season, everything, if everything's normal and you're still 6-10, and 10, then I'm sorry, Mike, but you know what? Thanks for 20-plus great years, but it's time to make a change. So 
if that happens, and we're talking bizarro world, this is not <laughs> this is not where we're at right now. Who's your short list for head coaches? Have you do you have one in your desk drawer? No, I don't. And I'm, I'm okay. It, I think I think it's it's fun to talk about short lists, but I think it does a disservice to Mike Bray. It really. I does. agree. I agree. Like, I will I will unveil my short list the day I find out that there's a a a, a, a list or a, an opening to put that list to. But I'll tell you, it's it's a hard for me. It's a hard to to look at this 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 job and this program and say. Mike Bray's got to go, and let's bring in John Beeline or let's bring in Thad Mata. That's too easy. Yeah, like, right. Too easy a fix. That's that's like Notre Dame football saying, "Let's bring in John Gruden and let's bring in Urban Meyer and let's bring in Bob Stoops." How did that work out? All the times that that football program had a, uh, an opening, none of those guys ever took that job. Right. Well, you bring in John Beeline five years from now, maybe five years from now, you're going through the same thing that, that you're going through with Mike Bray, thinking. When is it going to happen, or or who's going to be the replacement? Like, no names, but give me a young, hungry assistant that can recruit guys to Notre Dame, regardless of the the academic restrictions, regardless regardless of the perception of well, it's not a top tier job in the ACC. Give me a young, hungry assistant that's going to go out there and build a program. Like John Beeline is an unbelievable coach, and I would love to cover a John Beeline team. But I, like I said, in five years, you're probably going through the same thing. Give me a sure. long haul guy that's going to make his mark on this program and put his stamp on this program like Mike Bray did. Like I get into this discussion all the time with emailers saying Mike Bray's this and Mike Bray's got to go and Mike Bray did nothing for the program. Go back and look at where this program was in 2000 yep. and say, okay, you're going to go to three sweet 16s. You're going to go to two elite eights. You're going to win in your second season. You're going to win an ACC tournament championship by beating North Carolina and Duke on back-to-back nights on Tobacco Road. You're going to go to the NCAA tournament. Yeah, you're going to lose some games. You're going to, you're going to have some down seasons. But how many people, after given all that they that, that this guy's accomplished, how many people in 2000 would say, would raise their hand and say, "Yep, sign me up for that." A lot they of people. Would. Yeah, they would. And if they, if they say for the people that say Mike Bray hasn't done anything for this program or he's a bum or he hasn't re, like, come on. Like you have you have a different expectation of what this program is, because on the inside, I'm telling you, on the inside of college basketball, people look at what Mike Bray has done in his time at Notre Dame. And they've been like, that's nothing short of miraculous because of everything they have to go through because of jumping league to league. Like you go from the big East, you were 27 and seven in one of your final years in the big East. And then you got to start over and then you go and you win the ACC tournament championship. So it's, it's a hard job and it's a lot harder, harder than what people might think. No, that's a really good point. And uh, you make a lot of really good points there. And I appreciate that. You got to talk some guys off the ledge. I appreciate that. No, they'll they'll still be on the ledge. (laughs) It's it's the same thing as it was against you know the, before they before they beat Duke it was fire Mike Bray get rid of these the, the, everybody in this program start over do this do that then they went go and they they hang ninety three on Duke and Cameron and it was we're going back to the NCAA tournament <laughs> yeah right bomb it's this is our like so fans <laughs> are going to be fans and they're going to be all over the map but it's something it's just to where you 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 have to really just look at it and say. Look at it with a critical eye and not a fan eye, and say, sure. "Yeah, it's it's been a hard couple of years, but it's it's also been a, a pretty good couple of decades for Mike Bray." 
No question. No, I mean the body of work speaks for itself, and you're you're absolutely right. You can't you can't look at this team in the nutshell of of this year. I mean, as far as what Mike Bray's tenure has been, you're absolutely right. He's he's brought this team to a place where I think a lot of people uh, would be would be like you said, raising your hand and say, "Yes, I will take that." You know, struggles and all throughout. I will take the results that Mike Bray has brought. No question about and, it. And this is like the third or fourth version that we've gone through with fans as to it's time for a change. It's time to move on. Sure. But you know what? I think I think we're a lot closer to change after a year like this or after a run like this than we were in the past. Just, given the, just given the fact that like we're sitting here on, on Wednesday morning. On Tuesday afternoon, I sit down in front of my TV and I'm watching Baylor, West Virginia, and I'm watching Illinois, Michigan, and then I flip over to Duke and Georgia Tech and Indiana, Michigan State, and, and it it kind of it kind of drives you a little nuts watching the high level of those basketball games when you're covering a program. It's just kind of there, and I, yeah. like like something something needs to be done to get a little bit more juice back into this program because. It's just kind of treading water, and yeah. I'm not looking at Notre Dame to win a national championship, but it's a heck, it, it's a better job than to just be kind of there and treading water in the ACC. They need a spark, and that, that spark could come from Mike Bray. It could come from somebody else, but it, you're right. The, the program needs a spark, needs and, uh, and we'll see what happens. Uh, that's going to be the fun part. Yep. Tom, thanks again for joining us. I, I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, you know – if there's any kind of change, you're going to reveal that short list right here on the Irish Breakdown. Irish I'll Breakdown save it. Podcast. I'll save it. I won't even put it in print. I'll be like, <laughs> see, for short list, see Irish Breakdown. That's right. Uh, see, that's why I love you. All right, man. Hey, thanks for a lot. Thanks. Uh, I appreciate it. And, you know, we got a game tonight. So here's hoping that uh, they can show a little bit of a spark uh, on the floor tonight. We'll see what happens. Better late than never. Hey, that's all I'm saying. Yep. So, for Tom Noy, uh, check out his stuff over at ND Insider and also in the South Bend Tribune. I got to go get mine out of the box right now so I can start reading. Very, very important. Uh, but make sure you check out irishbreakdown.com. Uh, uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Hit the notification button. And then wherever you get your podcast, make sure you subscribe because we'll be, we will be bringing you all kinds of great stuff. Uh, and especially our Irish crossover series, which is a lot of fun. So thanks to guys like Tom. So Tom, have a wonderful day. And uh, we will talk to you next time on the Irish Breakdown Podcast.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.